0: From Washington, this is CQ on Congress, the nonpartisan source for in-depth analysis of Capitol Hill's policy debates. I am Sean Zeller.
1: I'm not for a wall. I'm not for a wall. A wall has to be built. We need security at our southern border. The federal government remains shut down because congressional Democrats Refused to approve border security.
2: Uh, My plea to President Trump would be reopen the government. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell blocked legislation on Thursday that would have reopened most of the federal government impacted by the partial shutdown.
0: More than 800,000 federal employees were not paid earlier this month and now face the possibility of missing a second paycheck as the government shutdown enters a fifth week but at least they know they will eventually be paid, as Congress and President Donald Trump promised in a new law enacted on January 16th. The same cannot be said for government contractors, who now make up about a third of the federal workforce. Many of their contracts are on hold, and they have no expectation of ever being paid. My first guest today, by phone, is Alan Schvatkin. Executive Vice President of the Professional Services Council, a trade association that represents contractors' interests before Congress. And later, I'll be joined by CQ Roll Call reporter Niels Lesniewski, who is covering developments on Capitol Hill. So Alan, let's get the lay of the land here. How important are contractors to getting done the business of government?
1: Well, contractors are an essential partner in uh, the business of government. Uh, They partner with and work uh, in support of uh, federal agencies across the U.S. government's activities. Uh, They're on the front lines uh, around the globe uh, with the military and the Department of Defense. Uh, They're in the research offices and the civilian agencies, and they're providing critical goods and services to the federal government Uh, in order for the government to operate as an entity, as well as to provide services to citizens.
0: Give us a couple examples, if you could, of the kind of work that contractors do.
1: We have uh, contractors who are uh, providing life cycle support uh, to uh, the military uh, around the world. Uh, We have companies that are uh, providing food services to uh, federal agencies here in the United States. Uh, we have companies that are providing uh, research uh, and analytics uh, to civilian agencies, to uh, the Department of Housing and Urban Development and the Environmental Protection Agency. And we have companies that are supporting the Department of Justice as they uh, look at their law enforcement work and uh, in support of uh, immigration activities.
0: Yeah, and I was on a a press call yesterday with your boss, David Berto, and he gave an estimate of about a million contractors working for the government. Now, of course, all of those aren't affected, but to give our, our listeners some context, that's about a contractor for every two civil servants. It's a big workforce.
1: It's a huge workforce, and that's the, think about it as a direct workforce uh... and it's uh... often difficult to measure exactly and it changes rapidly uh... so as uh... one of the advantages of using contractors in support of government activities is uh... twofold first of all the ability to surge uh... and reduce so as workload increases uh, additional contractors can be brought in as that workload reduces the contractors can be uh... uh contracts can be terminated uh, so that's one advantage. Secondly, contractors bring uh, critical skills that uh, may not be in sufficient quantity or even available in the federal marketplace. Federal government has a huge shortage of cybersecurity experts. We compete in the global market as do contractors for those skills. But companies have a better ability to bring on some of that workforce, even for a temporary uh, opportunity, uh, where you would, may, may not want to hire an employee full-time uh, to be working in the federal government.
0: Okay, so the Congress and President Trump have already agreed I- uh, months ago to fund six cabinet departments, That, but that leaves nine others as well as several major independent agencies unfunded who employ contractors. What's happening now with contracts at the agencies that are shut down? We're talking about major cabinet departments like Commerce, Homeland Security, and Transportation, among others.
1: Well, there are two types of federal employees who are affected. I want to touch on that first. There are those federal employees who are in what are called accepted positions. They have to work because their jobs involve protecting life and property. And they're allowed to continue working even though they're not being paid. There are other federal employees who have been furloughed. The preponderance of the federal workforce falls into that category. Uh, and they are not being, they're not working and they're not being paid. For those uh, agencies that are ongoing, even though they're, they lack funds, where they have accepted employees, there are ma- many contractors who are supporting those activities, and those contractors are also working, but they're not being paid for that work. Uh, they will eventually because the work is actually being performed. But there's another category of contractor employees who have been denied the ability to work, much like federal employees have been denied the ability to work. Uh, and, and for that category of employees on the contractor side, well, the first action the government takes is to furlough its employees, it's the last action that companies want to take. So companies are using their personnel policies and extraordinary measures to keep those employees in some sort of pay status for as long as possible. But the longer this shutdown continues and this partial shutdown continues, the more difficult that becomes for the companies.
0: Right, indeed. I know, for example, that 22 airports across the country rely on contractors to provide security screening. Those aren't actual employees of the Transportation Security Administration. Those are contractors working on behalf of the TSA. And so those people are working. They're not getting paid, but they can expect ultimately to be paid. But the contracts that are in a stop work order There's no prospect of them being paid, right?
1: Well, the history is, you're absolutely right. You've characterized the circumstance correctly. For those companies and contractor employees that are working, uh, officially working because they're uh, being told to work and not being paid, they will get paid eventually. Uh, It's a timing question. For those that are uh, told to stop work, Uh, The history is that they have never been paid, but part of our advocacy work at the Professional Services Council is to make sure that uh, contractor employees are treated the same way as federal employees. And if all federal employees are going to get uh, back pay, and the president has already signed legislation to do that, then we think equity says that all contractor employees uh, should get back pay for those who have also been furloughed and told that they're not able to do the job that they were hired to.
0: So, indeed, you mentioned Congress has passed a law already guaranteeing that it will pay federal workers who've been furloughed, but it has not done the same for contractors. You are lobbying them to do that. That's correct. And we're in an unprecedented situation here because we've never had a shutdown of this duration. The last one that which spanned the end of 95 to 96, that was somewhat comparable, that lasted three weeks was in a different time when there were far fewer contract workers working for the government, right?
1: Yes, uh, and uh, there there was a—in that time, and uh, and I was uh, involved in this industry at that time, although I was not at the Professional Services uh, Council at the time, uh, there was a, a, an effort by both the Congress and the president to find a way to uh, resolve the differences. Uh, so not only are we in uncharted territory— Are coming up on almost twice the length of that uh, 95-96 shutdown, Uh, and so the duration is significant, even though the the breadth of it is a little less.
0: With no end in sight.
1: But also, that's exactly right. No end in sight, and no pathway, obvious pathway to get there.
0: So this is having a major effect on the bottom line for contractors. We had one major contractor um, out of Virginia, Science Applications International, SAIC, say that the shutdown was costing it $10 million a week. And David Berto, your boss, again told reporters yesterday that the value of services contracts at the shuttered agencies was $70 billion in the fiscal year 2018. So. Give us a sense. I mean, is this a cataclysm for your members?
1: Well, it, uh, I agree fully with what my boss said yesterday. Uh, what SAIC reported, I believe, in their uh, public earnings report is that the uh, revenue uh, uh, invoices not paid is was a $10 million in, on January 7th when they had that uh, earnings call. Uh, would, and it could grow to uh, multiples of that. Uh, before the end of, Cal- of January of 2019. Uh, this is revenue for work performed before the shutdown that has not been paid because uh, there's no employees to process those invoices. Uh, and for some work, again, where they are supporting accepted activities, uh, federal government is working, therefore uh, the companies are working, uh, they will invoice for those, but they won't be paid until the shutdown is over.
0: So, the so con- these contractors, these are private firms which so have an obligation to pay their workers. How are they coping with this?
1: Well, for some, they're re- re- doing extraordinary activities. The, they're reducing the salary of all employees so that uh, all get some rather than some get all and some get none. Uh, they're trying to find a leave, allowing employees to take leave, even to... The phrase go negative, borrow against the leave that they would earn in 2019 uh, so that they could have some pay status. Uh, but at some point, if companies, regardless of size, are just unable, some are unable to continue that and are furloughing employees. Others uh, will get to that point uh, very shortly, some next week, some the week after, depending on how long the shutdown lasts and how long the um, inability to, uh, invo- to work and in invoice for those uh, activities continue. Let's now, say, in fairness, what? and some, if I could just add one other thing, uh, because of these changing in circumstances, the, this environment changes every day for companies. So earlier this week, the IRS announced that it was recalling over 42,000 IRS employees to work on tax support. There are contractors who provide support to the IRS. They were furloughed, or they were stopped work. Um, previously, some of those contractors are now being recalled. So next week, we may see some companies coming back to work that had previously not been. That's why the circumstances change uh, every single day.
0: So I mean, let's say the government reopens tomorrow. Can contractors who are on a stop work order just immediately pick up where they left off?
1: Part of the process in the stop work order is... Uh, for the companies to plan first to mitigate the expense to the government uh, during that stop work and secondly to be uh, as prepared as possible to restart and i think overwhelmingly companies will be able to restart rapidly maybe not the next day or shortly after the stop work is lifted again sometimes it's going to be in a partial already with as uh... i mentioned with respect to the irs and some activities in department of homeland security others when it's lifted Uh, they'll have to restart. It may take them a a couple of days or a week uh, in order to reassemble the staff.
0: Thank you, Alan, for coming on our show. Happy to do so. Thanks for the opportunity. You're listening to CQ on Congress. You can subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. I'm going to turn now to Niels Lesniewski, who covers the Senate for roll call and CQ. Welcome, Niels. It's good to be back. So, Niels, what's the state of play on Capitol Hill? Is there any movement whatsoever toward a resolution that will reopen the government?
2: Well, Sean, I would say in the last uh, 24 to 48 hours, if anything, we've gotten farther from a solution rather than closer to it. The level of sparring between Speaker Nancy Pelosi and President Donald Trump has reached a new level, Uh, specifically... There has been a back and forth. First, Pelosi uninvited Trump from delivering a State of the Union address to a joint session of Congress if the government is still shut down on January the 29th. And then Trump responded by pulling back Pentagon support for military travel for a congressional delegation that was supposed to be going to Brussels, Belgium, where NATO is, and then on to Afghanistan. Uh, that was a codel that Pelosi was supposed to lead. Uh, the combination of those developments make it uh, pretty clear that there's no uh, end in sight to the shutdown.
0: So let's review. Uh, this crisis began before Christmas at a time when both the House and Senate were controlled by the Republicans. Now, the House is under Democratic control. Nancy Pelosi is the speaker. Um, But at the end of the last Congress, in December, the Senate approved by voice vote, i.e. without dissent, a continuing resolution that would have kept the government open until early February. It died then in the House, then under GOP control, after President Trump said he had to have the $5 billion to build a border wall. But now the House is under Democratic control. They've been passing spending bills that would reopen the government. Why won't the Senate send them that same continuing resolution that it passed before Christmas? I raise this only because the Congress could reopen the government over Donald Trump's veto. Uh, They certainly could, but we don't expect that to happen because
2: Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, has been insistent that only legislation that is agreed upon between Pelosi and Trump will be on the floor of the Senate. He has no intention of taking up anything, even if it might get 67 votes needed uh, to overcome a presidential veto. Uh, What's sort of remarkable in all of this is that if you go back to December, as you were talking about, Sean, when we had the Uh, voice-voted continuing resolution passed by the Senate, Uh, as far as I could tell, Republican senators thought that Trump was going to sign that into law. That's part of the problem here is that the president has been so unpredictable uh, that even when they thought they had an agreement, they really didn't. And so they need uh, more assurances, if you're McConnell and company, uh, than what they got in December.
0: So Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the Kentucky Republican, has very often in the past been the dealmaker in these situations. But from what I understand, he is so far sitting this out. Why? Well, he claims, at least,
2: that because of the way the government is currently divided, because there's a Democratic-controlled House and a Republican White House, His claim is that there's not really a function for him in these uh, talks. Remember that a lot of the time when McConnell was making deals uh, previously, it was during the Obama administration. So he was the counterpoint uh, to a Democratic White House. Uh, He's not that anymore. But it still uh, begs the question of at what point McConnell may come into the fray. I will say that Thursday evening we had a surprise appearance on Capitol Hill by Mike Pence, the vice president of the United States, and the presidential son-in-law and senior White House advisor Jared Kushner, who actually stopped by to visit Mitch McConnell. So I don't know that McConnell is going to be getting back involved in the talks, but the fact that Kushner and Pence were going to meet with him uh, could signal a change in the coming weeks.
0: It's been speculated. By some that because Mitch McConnell is up for re-election two years from now in 2020 um, in his state of Kentucky, which is very uh, pro Donald Trump and very pro, very much in favor of the border wall, that that is affecting his position here.
2: While well, McConnell is certainly saying that the border wall needs to be built, he has come out on that side of this argument, and it is also true. That McConnell has in the past run into uh, issues where he has had Republican primary challengers in Kentucky. You'll remember Matt Bevin, who is actually now the governor of Kentucky. And he is uh, certainly one of those people who could, in theory, I guess, challenge McConnell again uh, if McConnell
0: veers too far from President Trump. So, If there were to be a groundswell from his rank-and-file Republican members in the Senate, uh, that could move Senator McConnell. Is there any indication that pressure is building on him from his rank-and-file? There really isn't. In fact, most of the
2: pressure, at least in the public view, uh, that is coming on Mitch McConnell has been coming from freshman members of the House Democratic Caucus uh, who have been going around the Capitol trying to find mitch mcconnell looking for him in places even where he's not necessarily found he's not in the capitol he's not in the russell building he's not in the floor of the senate and eight hundred thousand people don't have their paychecks so where's mitch the hashtag where is mitch has been popping up on social media and he has been uh they've been looking for him but they've even been looking for him in his russell senate office building office Uh, which those of us who are regularly on Capitol Hill know, uh, he spends most of his time in the leadership office, not out in the office building.
0: Well, a number of Republican senators in in possibly tough races are up in 2020. Susan Collins of Maine, Cory Gardner of Colorado, Joni Ernst of Iowa. They're not putting any pressure on McConnell? Uh, We haven't seen it publicly yet, and the one other tidbit
2: that I will throw in is that the, the Republican Issues Conference that we often call a retreat around here was just Thursday at Nationals Park, and my understanding is they've spent more time talking about nominations than they did
0: about the government shutdown. All right, Niels, we're gonna look forward to your future reports on this. Thank you. And thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, npr1 spotify stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and please rate us on itunes for more on this and other stories visit rollcall.com or find us on twitter at cqnow or at rollcall